How many people believe that they can have the wisdom of God? That's not very many over here. I, I'm, I'm not sure. How many people believe that you can have the wisdom of God? And how is that achieved? Now, how do you believe it's that anyone who lacks wisdom, let them ask of God, and he that finds no favoritism will grant that unto him? So we know we can get the wisdom of God, right? But how do you, how do you get that? I mean, do you just ask, and all of a sudden it just pops into your head? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Then all we have to do is ask. We don't have to read the Bible. We really don't have to pray. We don't have to be around one, one, one another. All we have to do is just ask God, and all of a sudden, boom, there it is. I know exactly what to do. Wouldn't that be awesome? But that's not how it works. How does Solomon receive wisdom? Solomon received wisdom, right? We call him one of the wisest kings. He received all the wisdom because he became, had a listening heart is the key. So stay in your word. Make sure that you're in your word of God weekly, daily, and, and learn and allow that wisdom of God to come in you. So when you're ready to act upon that, you ask God for wisdom, he will bring his word to you. Wisdom comes from his word. God's written word. How many people believe that wisdom comes from God's written word? And if we consume that, then we can walk in it. It's not a mystery. God doesn't keep mysteries from us. He wants us to know what to do and when to do it. We're going to have a class. I go along with this. We're going to have a class coming up. If you're interested, it's on Sunday mornings at 9.30 to 10 o'clock. It's just going to be a half-hour class. I found in my walk that many, many people want to take a slower walk through the Bible, maybe to understand a little bit better what, what it means to take the maybe the first steps with Christ and some of the necessities of our relationship with him. And uh, we don't want any person here to, to lose out on that. So if there's anybody in here, maybe they're just walking with Jesus now, but you just, or you're looking for a Bible study to get involved in, this will be a really good one. Nat, and Pastor Natalie is going to help us with that too. And so Put them in your calendar. Come a little earlier to church. And when we're done at 10 o'clock, that's when Pastor Teresa starts with her word here, the devotion, and the greedy time after that. So start your Sundays at 930 with us, and we'll do the Bible study right back here in the back room. But uh, how, how are we all doing today? It's a good day, isn't it? It's a little chilly outside, but we're good and warm inside. I want to cover some things from last week so we know how to begin our week this week with uh, Colossians 2. And so last week we talked about being rooted and built up in him. Remember, that three things we basically hit last, last week in verse 7. Rooted and built up in him, being Christ Jesus, established in faith, right, and also overflowing in thanksgiving. We ended with that knowing that the most important thing in a mature Christian walk is to have this thanksgiving that flows from you. That you're always thankful, a grateful heart. People know you're great. This person's, I don't know what's going on, but you show this light of thankfulness. This, that comes from a mature heart. We talked about that last week, and I want to move into what we're going to talk about this week. And uh, Colossians 11 through um, 12 is what we're going to start with. First, let me read 11 and see. What, what I appreciate about today's study is this. It's going to go real deep into the cross. How many people believe they're forgiven based on what Christ did on the cross? Let me see the hands of the... I know that I'm forgiven based on what Jesus did on the cross. Not that I'm a perfect man, but what he did... I am free. I am set free from all sin. I'm forgiven of all sin. It says in verse 11, in Jesus or in him, you were also circumcised putting and putting off your old sinful nature. And with circumcision performed by Christ and not by human hands. What that means is this. A lot of things were happening in the church at Colossae. All these new 
philosophies and what needed to happen. Judaism started to fall back in by the Jews and say, no, you've got to have Jesus, yeah, but you need all these other things. And one of those was circumcision. And the circumcision, I don't know about you, it's a tough topic to talk about today with the boys. It's not a very exciting topic. But in that, they talked about you must be circumcised as a, as a child of God. That's a symbol that men were brought into the army of God was a circumcision. So I know that was important back then, but what Christ says, this, isn't it awesome what he did on the cross? Guess what happens? He circumcises the heart. Christ does that. He gets full credit. We can't do anything. It's not like we do anything in human hands to make us ready for him. It comes with what he does in us. Isn't that awesome? Jesus does it. He circumcises the heart. He separates us by what he did on the cross. He forgives us of sin, and then he circumcises the heart. Who has been circumcised today? Every one of us who gave our life to Christ. And I don't know, but that work is good. I know that work is true. I'm not the same man as I was. I'm not the same man. And if you know Jesus, you're not the same person. Because that work, I love it this, he will continue that good work until the day of completion. And so when we go on today, and first of all, circumcise. I am circumcised by the hands of Christ and him only. That's why I'm a child of God. And there is a change that happens when that comes in. Let's go on to the next, the next verse in 12. It says, and having been buried with him in baptism, you were raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Now let me ask you a question. Do you believe God raised Christ from the dead? Is there a power that did that? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. It's in us. The same power. To me, that's, that is amazing. Okay, so we've got to believe. It says to have faith in the power of God who raised him will also raise who? You. It's good news. So let's hold fast to what's, what's been accomplished in that. We're going to go to 13 and 14. It says here, and when you were dead in your trans, trans, trespasses, I'm sorry, transgressions, trespasses, and in the uncircumcised of your sinful nature, God made you alive. It says that word means alive together with Christ. Let me, it is hard to describe life, is it not? When, when a child is born, they say that life, when he breathes his first breath, that, that this living fetus really is a child. comes up, We have a, a lot to do in New York, don't we, today? We have a lot to do in New York, don't we? There's a movement against life. That's a whole different subject, but I tell you what, that, that infuriates me infuriates me that we don't take life that seriously. God made you alive in Christ. How does it feel to be alive? I don't know if we really understand that, that topic. Um, when we talk today, everybody here is able to do things. Uh, breath of life comes in you. You're able to accomplish life. You can live your whole life not knowing Jesus and and you don't even know and understand what life really is until you give it over to him. And uh, I, I pray today before for anyone leaves this building today that you would have a, a meeting time with Christ. I, I want to ask you this question today. 
Are you really living your life? Or are you just going from day to day with the same old, same old? How many people believe a, rough, rough, a, a, a rut can come your way? How many people believe that you can go to work, you can come home, you can do your thing at home, and you go day by day by day, and all of a sudden you realize there's something more in life. There's got to be something more. I, I feel in my heart there, there is a necessity today to pray for those who do not know him. There's a necessity to know that Christ doesn't want anyone to perish, that everyone comes to eternal life. And in that, there is a... There, because I know life, I want to give life. Because I really know the difference between where I was before and where I am today. And every day I grow closer to him. And every day I know him more. And every day I get new revelation of who he is. And that humbles me. Because I understand what it means to taste him and see that he is good. And I, I, I know there's so many people that don't really understand this. And it it's angers me not towards them but towards an enemy. Because he blinds the minds of those who do not believe. It says that the God of this age has blinded the minds of those who, cannot, who do not see, cannot see the glory of Christ. He blinds their minds and people walk around like mummies without life. They have life, they think they have life, but they have none. You see, there's something in that that frustrates me. How can you come to, even if those who come to church and never receive life, never, never go back different, never feel what it means to be amongst people of God and to, and to worship God at, the, at an altar and go away in their car's home and not get life, not understand. It's so simple. It's right before us. And there's no introduction to who he really is. I'm telling you, Jesus is real. What he did on the cross is real. And he did it for you and me. He loves us that much to draw us unto him that we would have a relationship with him. To don't waste our life just with these nonsenses of career. i got to find a right career. Don't worry about those things. Seek first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. There's just so much truth that sets us free. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Life and more abundantly. It hurts me. And the question is this, if you know life, it hurts you too. It hurts when you have a conversation with someone and they can't see truth. How many times you sat down with someone that's hurting, gone through difficult times, and you, you try to help them, and you pray for them, and you encourage them. Jesus loves them, and you just see a blank on their face because they can't get past the circumstance of where they are. They can't see how easy it is just to say you surrender your life, and you don't know how to surrender it. Just where do you have to get to, and what amount of mud do you have to see that it's not about you? It's never been about you. It's been always about him. How many people want a real relationship with Christ? Walk with them, receive life, and walk in it. I mean, really taste it to know. And every day you, it becomes new. His promises are there. He has one for you today. I pray today when chains are broken, that song was for a reason, that all of us walk in a new, fresh way, that we look at life what he gave to us. God made you alive together with Christ. Isn't it good? He forgave us of all of our trespasses. 
Every single one. This is hard to, I don't know about, it's hard to imagine what it must have been for Christ. What was it when they nailed him to a cross? What was that like? The cross member, they nailed his hands to it. What, what would that have been like? See, Satan believed he won the war when they nailed him. And boy, I got some good news today. I brought this today because I want us to make sure that we understand how important this is. So I'm going to sit it right over here, okay? Can I do that? Because we're going to use this as an illustration today. It's heavy. That's scary, honey. That got everybody's attention. Okay, hello. I want us to make sure that we understand this very clearly of what really happened that day. So I brought some things today that I think we're going to have some fun with. First, I'm going to start this one. I think I'm going to find a different way to make that stand still. All right, there we go. Let's start this one right here. Thank you, honey. Bigger hammer. Anybody got a bigger hammer out in the garage or in your car? Wow. Okay, that one started. Let's come over here. So what really happened on that cross? Well, that's sort of wood, man. All right, so we get the illustration. Okay. Man, that was a lot of work. Didn't get through that wood. That's the wood of our house. It was, a, it was built in, the, what, 1860. So that's a piece from the house. So you can see how hard it is. It says here, God forgave us all of our trespasses. He canceled the debt ascribed to us and the decrees that were public that stood against us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. What I want you to understand first, how many people believe they're forgiven by what Christ did on the cross? As they nailed him to that post. Do you know that as they nailed him and he died, you were set free from sin? See, in that, we all understand that there's forgiveness in the cross, right? Everybody got that. They understand that cross brings forgiveness. Jesus died on the cross so that we would be forgiven. How many people believe that's true? And in that, just know this as a, a confirmation, other things happened when those nails went in. And I want us to make sure that we have an open heart today to listen because I didn't know all that happened. And as I read this portion of Colossians, I realized so much more happened that I think you'll get excited about today. It said, he did cancel the debt ascribed to us. We know that he did, and he stood against it. That stood against us. He took it away and nailed it to the cross. All right, let's go to the next verse. I want you guys to see this. And it says, it, well... Let's pull up this in King James Version. This may help us read this. Blotting out the handwritten of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it away, nailing it to the cross. That's what King James Version said. So either blotting it out or cancel the debt. That we know he did, okay? Let's go to the next one. It says here, 15, and having disarmed the powers and authorities. Now, what's that mean? What's that mean to you? Anybody 
Uh, and what does it mean to disarm? Police officer to come someone, he has a weapon on him. What's he do? How does he disarm him? Well, he could shoot him, of course, but that would disarm him. Taking away what? Now, what's it mean about taking away a weapon? Okay, so if I have a weapon here today, if I'm going to come over to Ron and I have a weapon, now, if he's going to disarm me, what, he, what does he have to remove from me? The weapon. I am not disarmed unless I lose the power of a weapon, right? So the only way, what, what, what does this mean? That in having disarmed the powers and authorities, what do you think that really means? Okay, remember, this is on the cross of Christ. What does it mean? That, does it mean that powers and authorities of this world have weapons? Are they armed against you? Right? Do you believe that? So if Christ did something, says having disarmed the powers, that means if Ron's going to disarm me, he's got to take that away from me. And now what? I am disarmed. I'm without threat against him. Do you understand? So all of these are powers and authorities. What's he talking about? The good powers and authorities? Why would he disarm his own people? What's he talking about? Disarming who? Who's the enemy? Satan and all his demons? All, all the enemy that comes against the army of God? The Bible says no gate in hell will prevail against us. So Christ disarmed them. Could you disarm them? No. So it was a finished work on the cross that disarmed our enemies. So they can't come with any, any they can't come against us with any of the arming that they had before. Is that right? Is that what you get from this? That that to me is good news. And it says he's stripped of authority. That means only authority in heaven and earth is given to who? Christ Jesus in him alone. So if he has all authority and he's disarmed the enemy, how easy is it to bring victory? You see, he won it. He didn't give the weapons back. He didn't give them arming again once he took them. He did that on the cross. To me, that's good news. Did you fully understand that before? You know, you may understand that you're forgiven on the cross. Powerful, right? You're forgiven. That's good to know. But isn't it good to know that Christ also, by nailing him on the cross, disarmed all powers and authorities that work against you? Now, to me, that's good news. I didn't fully understand that. Now, it seems like my walk can be a little bit more assuring. You see? Now, I understand that I'm going to fight from victory. I'm not trying to be victorious. It's already done. Jesus said he finished it. So not only did he finish you allowing to come to heaven, covered now by his blood, and now all sin is removed, what else happened? Something happened in the heavenlies. Something happened that maybe I won't fully understand. But what happened also on the cross when Christ died is what? Disarming. To me, that's good stuff. And I hope you understand how wonderful that is. And here, you, you got to hear this. This is something else. I, I hope we fully, fully get this. I'm going to bring my wood over here. If I hit anybody's toes, I apologize. Got a little bit more room here. I won't slam it. A little bit. Okay. Something else happened. I want you to get a hold of this. 
something else happened when they nailed him. One of the things that Romans did was called crucifixion. It's the worst of the worst for the worst of the worst. It's the worst kind of suffering any man would endure. It's the cross. They did it to the thieves and those who, that, 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 that there was hatred towards them. Enough that they said, what is the worst we can do to these people? What is the cross? So one of the things they tried to accomplish in bringing a man to the cross is to shame them. I mean, truly shame them. That everyone see, yeah, they thought they could do all of this. And guess what? Your punishment is total shame publicly in front of all people. Anybody want to walk to the hill where they did the crucifixions would see these men and their shame. Shame on you. That's the way they did. That's what the cross meant. That's the suffering of the cross. And so when they brought Christ to the cross, stripped him. Now, all the photographs, all those different movies out there, keep a, they stripped you naked, put you on the cross, nailed you there until you dead. And that was a public shame. But guess what? I want you to get this today. I want you to walk in this. It says that Christ made a public spectacle of them. You've got to reverse this. Listen to me today. You've got to reverse what he did on the cross. You see, not only did he disarm them, not only did he take the weapons away, that arming of our enemy away, also at the same time, he made a public spectacle of every person that tried to shame him by what he did on the cross. So they thought, they thought, we're going to shame this. We're going to shame the king of the Jews. We're going to shame this person who's committed blasphemy in front of all of what we know to true. We're going to make sure this man knows that what he did was wrong. We're going to put him up that everybody can see. You see, everybody can see that this man has done wrongly. And just the opposite happened. Maybe they could not see in human eyes. But in the heavenlies, every authority, every demon in hell... Everyone represented against God saw publicly they were made shame of. They made a spectacle of. They reversed right in their face. This man's going to, and reversed it to what they saw. They were shamed at that moment that Christ was on the cross because victory had come. You see, something that happened in the heavenlies that we never really understood. This tells us exactly. Now, who's supreme? Christ and him only. Who reigns? Christ and him only. Who's in charge? Christ and him only. Everything that came in the church to prove them wrong, that it has to be more than just Jesus. There's other things. We have to worship angels. We have to do all these spiritual things to get to heaven. See, this is the approval of God. No, they were made a spectacle with what Christ did. He turned the cross to a throne. And even Mary, who wept, and John at the cross wept to see their king die, not fully understanding that what was being done when he closed his eyes and gave up the spirit, what really happened in the heavenlies was much more than what they saw in human eyes. See, right now I'm telling you, do not look upon Christ in human eyes. Do not look at his work on the cross with human eyes. Do not continue to go to the cross 
asking forgiveness for your life at the cross. It is not only for that. You can go, but get a hold of what he did. Those enemies that try to hold you back, try to tempt you into sin and all the things that the enemy tries to do, he has been victorious. It's a done deal. I'm telling you. We've got to get a hold of this. So what I want to do today is this. It's very simple. I want to go through what, what the cross did. I want to just summarize for just the verses we know. And there's much more that happened on the cross. I want you to fully get what it means. And then I want to do something today. What did the cross do? We know this. Forgave us of all our sins. What is done yesterday what could possibly done today and all through the future was upon him. And what I also want to say is this. What else happened? He made us. The moment that we're able to have that spirit in us, the moment he went to the Father and died on that cross, what was given? He made us alive. What else happened on the cross? What we learned today. He blotted out all handwritten ordinances against us. Every ordinance, every sin, every trespass, everything that was written down that you have ever done was written. And it was public. All those powers and authorities could see the things that you've done wrong. It's not hidden. Every single thing in private, everything in public, everything you've done against God has all been written. And guess what Christ does? He takes all those ordinances, all those decrees, all those things done against you, that come against you, and he blotted them out. He took them away, every single one. And every time you go to the cross and get on your knee, every single time, he blots it away and he covers you by the blood of Christ. Isn't that a glorious thing? That what happened on the cross was much more than you understand. It gives you freedom and access to come to that cross every single time and get on your knees and give him all. That's called life. Life with Christ means you find yourself at the cross often. Life of Christ means a Holy Spirit that is your friend, reminds you of the things you need to do, holds your hands as you do it, strengthens you in all that walk. Every single thing has been blotted out. Well, what he did on the cross is much more than we'll truly understand, isn't it? Isn't it amazing? What else happened? What else did we learn today? We learned this. He canceled our debt. <laughs> what else? He disarmed. Oh, this is, I want you to get this. This is what we learned today. He had disarmed the powers and authorities, the enemies that will ever attempt to come towards you, attack you, pull you down, tempt you into sin, all of those things he disarmed Every single one. Is that good news? What else did he do? And he made a public spectacle of those same powers and authorities. When they thought they shamed him, he returned that back a hundred times or a thousand times more. <laughs> to me, that's just what we learned today. In that simple four scriptures, five scriptures, that's what we can learn about his cross. Now, 
How many people wear a cross today? What kind, of, and what kind of story can you tell those who said, oh, what does that cross mean to you? Oh, you can tell them it's forgiveness of sin. But you've got so much more to tell them. What's the cross really mean? What does it mean to the devil? What's it mean to all those out there? What does it mean to those powers and authorities that come against you on a daily basis, trying to get in your face, trying to lie to you? What's that tell them? Next week, we're going to go into the next part of this, and that's 16 through 15. We'll start to understand who we are in Christ Jesus. Today, I've got a hammer up here, and I know it's kind of risky because it's not going into the wood very good. But here's what I want you to do. How many people have given over their lives to Christ? How many people have said yes to him? Lord, I know. I want to make you Lord and Savior of my life. I want you to take over. Well, you know what that sounds like in your life. You know that those stakes, those stakes were for you, right? So every time you hear that nail hit, what was nailed there? We know right now it was my sin. Where does it stay? It says once those sins were nailed to the cross, once those were nailed to the cross, it says, then he took all of Jesus. Did he not take all sin upon him? Didn't he, didn't he go to the cross with all the sin of the world upon him? All past, future, all those things present, all those things Christ did. And then it says, by the nailing of him to the cross, all that was wiped away, was taken away. So what you've done, Saudi, in your life was then removed from you because of that nailing, because of that into his skin, through his hand, into the wood. Because of that, you were set free. To me, that means a lot. Every time I hear something like that, it should remind me of what he did for me. Every single nail, every one I hear should be, thank you, Jesus. You have set me free. That's awesome. And then I know when I hear that, he's disarmed the enemy. He disarmed the enemy. I'm not afraid. I'm walking in victory. I'm not walking afraid of him. I'm not walking in timidity. He did not give me a spirit of timidity, but of love, power, and sound mind. You see, there's something else that he's done. And when I hear that, I know he's defeated them. Don't walk defeated today. You have never been defeated. He has never been able to do that. He has set you free in victory. And when you hear that, know that he's done that to you. Done it for you. What else? Well, we know he's made a public spectacle of all those that come against me. So now, look back at those ones that harass you and lie to you and said, I know what Christ did to you. He's made you a public spectacle. You thought you killed him. You did not. You thought he wiped him out. He rose again. He's victorious. And he did this for you and me. That is a sound of victory. That's the sound of triumph. So when they did that, just know that sound is for you. Stand in it. Walk in it. Don't be defeated today. Don't be defeated today. Walk in this truth of what he's done. Thank you for Colossians. Thank you, Lord, for what you set us free from. Lord, I pray today, even as the young people wanted to hear, these chains have been broken in the name of Jesus. Lord, even in those songs we did, all those times of celebration, I pray today, Father, as they go into another song, that we will find praise on our lips. Now understanding the cross even more so, understanding what you did on that cross, and when the enemy thought they were taking you down, Father, you have set us free. Lord, thank you that you made us, Lord, alive in you. Thank you, Father, that you made a public spectacle 
by your son's death on the cross of all those powers and authorities that rise up against us. Thank you, God, that your son, when he paid that price, has disarmed those enemies, that we walk in a victory and a triumph. Nothing can take us away. Nothing can snatch us from the hand of the Father. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. In Jesus' name.